I'm Angela Lucier, a professional public speaker, seven-time author, two-time TEDx speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And I'm Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and an ASECT certified sex educator. Together, we're the hosts of Playing the Stage, a podcast about speaking and sisterhood. If you've been a fan, you know I've been doing this show solo, and it's been all about public speaking for years. Well, that all changes now. Well, you're still talking about speaking on stage, but now we're also going to focus on the three things you need to make an impact, your voice, confidence, and sisterhood. This show is a training ground to go from dreaming to creating. Right. And we'll still be doing interviews with expert guests. Plus, you'll also get more personal stories and insights from us as well. I'm excited to see where this goes. Me too. And slightly freaked out. Me too. (laughs) Welcome to the next chapter of Plan Stage. Welcome back, everybody, to Claim the Stage. Hi, Jolie. Drinking some water, preparing. I'm drinking water. That's that's a totally normal thing to do when somebody's counting down from five to start something. <laughs> you I'm so feel nervous. But I was like, that's fine. Angela has this. Totally fine. <laughs> I probably should have done a longer intro. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Jolie's going to have a quick sip of water while we get ready and prepared. Do a quick stretch. How are you feeling? I am feeling so pumped because I have an index card with actual things written down on it. Whoa. I know. Like, (laughs) mind blown. I love index cards. I think that they should have a bigger role in the world. You gave me some index cards for Christmas. I love index cards. I love writing stuff down on them. It feels so contained Mm -hmm. with that. Yep. Even when you have a lot to do, when you make a to-do list on a small piece of paper, it doesn't feel as overwhelming. Exactly. You can only fit just so many things on there, even if I write tiny. Yeah. Did you ever go through a phase of life when you wrote super, super, super tiny? I didn't. I'm guessing that you did. (laughs) Super tiny. It felt like everybody in my sixth grade class did the same thing. Like we all started writing super tiny. And it was great because we didn't like our sixth grade teacher. And so it was like punishment for him. Because we just, you know, tiny, tiny, and he couldn't read it. It was awesome. Yeah, to use a magnifying glass to read totally. your papers. <laughs> the thing I did in sixth grade is I started making my A's like the uh, A in like Times New Roman font. It has the the curly thing over that. the top. You do? Oh, yeah, you do, do do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was so it was such a conscious thing, too. And I get really excited every time I was about to write a word that had an A in it because I knew I was going to get to do it. And that made writing papers more interesting. <laughs> it's the little things. It it's is. the little things. It really is. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of little things, we are all about focusing on the little things that bring us pleasure. In today's episode, it's part two of the pleasure experiment, which we learned last week is not a challenge. If you call it a challenge, Jolie will find you and she will (laughs) remind you that it is not a challenge. I will pleasurably remind you that you are invited to experiment with this. (laughs) Pleasurably yet directly. Yeah. I don't do anything that's not direct. So it's true. Yeah. That's one of the many things I love about you. <laughs> I think once I finally admitted that that was just a truth about me, I, I started to love it too. It is wonderful. I always know where I stand. That makes me feel really good. I don't have to wonder, did she really mean what she said? I'm like, nope, 
She always says what she means. For real. It's wonderful. (laughs) We need more of that. So on today's show, we're going to talk more about the pleasure experiment and some of the things that we've learned about ourselves from from doing some of the steps or some of the experiments that you've outlined. We're going to talk about some of the things we've been up to this week in in our life and something from our, our fuck it buckets and what we're working on, what we're reading. And we'll talk more about the experiment and some information that can help you get started with if you didn't get started last last time. I want to remind you that there's a download on the website of the, how many pages? 20 pages? 20, yeah. (laughs) I started writing and it just, you know, it became a thing. Yeah, I should just say what I envisioned when I said, yeah, try to... (laughs) make a handout that we can use with the episode so people can go and print it out and be able to read on their own time. I was envisioning a one page outline. And then when you sent it to me, I was like, this is amazing. This should be its own course. Why are you not publishing this and putting this out on Amazon? So I love that you went crazy with it. I I think like we'll first off, it's the middle of like an insane world. So more pleasure, more fun. Yay. But also, that is actually what brings me pleasure. Like, I got to spend a whole day writing it, and then I got to spend a whole day formatting it. That's, I feel like Monica Geller with her label maker, you know? (laughs) Yes, I'm here for this. And I have to say, your joy comes through in every page. It's so obvious that you loved writing this, and there are rainbows on it. Yes. (laughs) I love the way you formatted it. It's so beautiful. It looks like it was professionally done and you made this whole thing yourself. And all I did was put a button on the website for people to get it. So I'm not going to take one second of credit for it. This is 100% Jolie's baby. And all I'm going to do is talk about it with you and share the joy it has brought me so far. So thank you for making it. It's so cool. And I'm so glad that we get to share it here. That's why we're collaborating, right? Like, I, I don't know. Every project I do, when collaboration works, it's so much more fun and it takes this all the pressure of trying to be everything for everyone off. So yeah. I'm definitely into that. Yeah, it's really nice. I, it feels good to have a teammate who delivers and is excited about what we're doing and yeah. it shows. So thank you. I have to say, I think I sent you like 10 little applause hand emojis. <laughs> when I you did. It. I actually blushed. I was like, Ken's like, what is on your phone? Like, oh, happiness. Happiness is on my phone. So let's talk about more things that make us happy. One is things we've been up to this week. I know you've been doing some, a lot of cool things. I mean, I love that you send me updates almost hourly (laughs) of all the cool things you're doing. So you want to share something you've been up to? Absolutely. Because... Yeah, it'll probably be helpful when I can be out of the house again at some point, because right now I feel like I do have to update you hourly because this extrovert needs people. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So what I'm working on right now that is probably the most exciting thing is this total, like, vulnerable experience that I'm going through with Ken. So my my partner and I decided to make a... um, Well, we decided to make a podcast about our relationship and call it the same thing my book is titled. So it's called Project Relationship. And it started off as like going through the the chapters of the book and just talking about our relationship. But as soon as we got into it, we're like, oh, this is, it's yet another experiment. It's an experiment in vulnerability, like, especially for him. He's much more shy than I am. Um, and he's bearing his soul to like, we. so this season, we just kicked off season two. And this season, we're talking about our 
our ethical non-monogamy arrangement and like how it works for us. And it's not like we're not out. I mean, I think people who know us know that about us, but it's still a lot to talk about it and know that just anyone could listen and people can have their judgments about it. And to just sort of release the fear that I have around whatever other people think about how I do relationships. And it's just super juicy to like set aside time to talk to him about it. So. Yeah. And where do you guys record? Oh, <laughs> We record from our bed, of course. I think so, that is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, the, it turns out the sound quality is awesome. So we sit there on the bed and it's great because when we're about to record, we just go tell the kids so that everybody stops clomping around. And the youngest is like, oh, going to make a sex tape. Like, <laughs> that's okay. First off, there aren't tapes anymore. And second, <laughs> and second, if we do, please don't search it. Don't search that. Yeah, right. And the other thing, there's another benefit to doing this show with Ken, right? That um, for your relationship. Yeah, totally. It's we spend a lot of time talking about our relationship. And I think that's sort of a, a foundational piece and it is super helpful for us. But it's there is a difference when you're when you're having a relationship. It's always these even if you have multiple partners, there's always this conversation between the dyad the the I and the other, right? And and the I thou relationship is great and it's sacred, but when you add a witness to it, the whole dynamic changes. Now you have a third person or you have a, a whole audience and you know you're aware that you're watching. And so now your own watcher, your own internal sense of like who you are can kind of chill a little bit. So it actually, I find it, it helps me be more myself, my, from my speak from my actual self, capital S self, because there's a witness. The witness is anybody who's listening, my imagination of the other. And yeah, it's been really, really good. We're having new conversations. We've been, we've been together for 11 years and now we're having new conversations and revisiting things that we haven't talked about for a while. So it's really awesome. I think it's great. I think it's great for any relationship to do this, you know, yeah. for, for people to maybe you don't have to start a podcast necessarily, but to use the voice recorder on your phone while you're having a conversation and then listen back either together or separately and and hear how you show up and hear how when the other person's talking, maybe you're not actually hearing them. You're waiting for your time to talk or, right. you know, yeah. I'm sure you can catch and maybe things you're that super you defensive and like, it's hard to notice your own defensiveness, but you can hear it in your voice. You know, when you are. So when you, come back to that with a slightly cooler mind. Yeah, it's, I think the power of being witnessed even by yourself is, it's really remarkable. And if you're looking to make change in your relationship, I mean, I've got strategies for that, but first you have to know what you want to change. Mm. So some of it's just about having conversations. You could almost start anywhere, just like pick any topic that you've ever wanted to talk about, but do it with intention. And now the whole dynamic changes. Yeah. Well, I love that you guys are doing that. And I got to hear episode one of season two a couple of days ago as I was driving and I almost started crying in the car as I was listening to Ken's description about why he loves ethical non-monogamy and how much he loves you. And it was so sweet. Everyone needs to listen to this episode. It's so, it's just so heartwarming and you guys are so honest and it's really beautiful. I feel like I'm sitting on the bed with you guys. So thank you. See, that's it. Everybody is invited to our bed. And that is not <laughs> quite as kinky as it sounds. Almost, but not quite. <laughs> well, I have not been in a relationship for a year. 
And part of that is because I couldn't figure out how to date in, during COVID. It's like, how do people do this? And I was just busy and didn't really have it on my radar. And then last week I decided, I think I'm going to start online dating. And I went on Bumble and I created a profile and started talking to some some guys and went on some online dates. And when I say online date, I mean, we went on a date online. <laughs> Like, we are really doing online dating to the fullest. We are going on dates on Zoom. And I love that. It is. I mean, it's it ha- so 2020, 21. Yeah, like it is so of the zeitgeist right now. I know, so trendy. You're super <laughs> on trend. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it has its pros and cons because you don't have to deal with leaving the house. So there's no getting lost, paying for parking waiting in you know the lobby for someone for an hour it's you sit down at your desk I sit at my actual desk where I do work and I (laughs) I open zoom and then I have a date and I'm wearing pajama pants and I'm wearing a my hoodie sweatshirt that you gave me for Christmas it's called the comfy which I think maybe everybody should go on dates like that I think that might be a new policy like I'm over the bras and we're just all going to date in jammies. Yes. Not the sexy jammies, just our jammies. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about just introducing the idea of the first date as a pajama party and asking the other person to come with three activities and I will come with three activities. And over the course of 90 minutes, we'll decide which ones we want to do because it's really all you can do is sit at the computer and talk to each other. So I want to bring in different elements, things that might be fun, like a Mad Lib or I don't know, a word game. You- Improv. You did that with me on our first Zoom date. You were like, let's have show and tell. <laughs> and 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 we had show and tell. I was like, oh, she's a genius. It was so great. It was so totally great. Because it was weird. We're like, uh, we're supposed to be hanging out. We're not hanging out. Yeah. And you made it very like real and about like the actual space we were in. I don't know. It made it so much more personal. So plus, weed out the chaff. Like, require something of them. If they can't be bothered to bring an activity, what I know what they're looking for. And it's COVID. We're not doing that right now. Right. So we need to see effort up front. If you're going to show up in your pajamas, there needs to be some effort somewhere else. You can't be lazy. No. You can't be lazy. No. When I used to do interviews at my first job after college, I would tell everyone that was coming to the job interview, bring one thing that represents yourself. And that would usually lead to uh, 30 seconds of silence on the phone. And they'd be thinking, like, what does she mean by that? And (laughs) that was usually the follow-up question. And then I would say, whatever that means to you, (laughs) making them even more nervous. And I just wanted to see how much effort people would put into trying to answer that question. And I had one guy come and wrote a whole song about why he loves the radio station. And he like sang and played a guitar. And I was like, you're hired. Because that was super risky. And you put yourself out there and you put time into it. And then I had people show up and they had their car keys in their hand. And they're like, well, like I brought my keys because like my car helps me get places. And it's like, okay, here's the door. We'll see you later. and yeah, this so it's not the I, creative energy we're looking for. Right. So, and then I don't want to make the date like a job interview, but I do want to see that they're trying. So, that's what I'm going to be doing from now on. And I like the idea of adding the show and tell. So, I'll put that on the agenda and I'll let them know in advance that's what we're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, online dating is online and it's it's too bad that there isn't more of an opportunity to like feel someone's energy, you know, near you, but 
it's just like with public speaking or watching a speaker on the computer, you can watch someone's body language. You can kind of get a sense of their nonverbal communication through their facial expressions and their tone. And then there's always the content, like what they're actually saying. But I think because I am a public speaker and I love watching people speak that this is a particularly <laughs> intriguing uh, approach to dating because I'm just like in it with this person. And also because I do so many interviews on the podcast, I'm so in the zone with people. I'm not nervous at all to just be like, question, 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 question. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So you could start another whole podcast and you're like, I'm only dating people who will come on and have our first date on the podcast. Ooh. That's it. Like, that's what we're doing. We're going big. <laughs> I think that should be the second date. I think the first date will be the show and tell stuff. If they pass that test, yes. then they're going live then with you. <laughs> that's it. I love it. I love it. Love everything about it. Come on, people. There is a picture on my profile of me exactly like the way I look right now with my, my headphones and my microphone. And a lot of people say, are you a singer? Or do you have a podcast? And so I'm like, maybe I shouldn't put that picture up there because they might listen to this and then they're going to get all the clues. But then maybe that's okay. I don't know. I mean, if you're not talking about a sociopath, you're, <laughs> if, if you're talking, so, so you do have to use your weeding tools to like take out the psychopaths and sociopaths and all of that. But past that, I would be jazzed about somebody who had paid attention to my work. I once went on a date with somebody and he was an hour late because he was in a car accident. And then when he got there, I was writing in, I was writing my book. I was working on my book. And he said, what did you, what were you doing? I said, I'm, I'm writing my book. And he spent the next three hours of that date, not asking me a single question about that book. Yeah. We didn't yeah. need a second date. Yeah. I only stayed for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> That's an obvious one. Like we're throwing it out there. It's it's right there in front of you. All you have to do is just t you know, pick, it up. pick it up. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that many guys are not good question askers. And I'm trying to be understanding because I tend to ask questions for a living, you know, as part of the podcast. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm just advanced in this area. But a lot of the questions are pretty obvious. Like it, it doesn't require that much thought to ask simple questions. <laughs> right. Or to just at least ask the other side. Yeah. Yeah, like, so now what ask about me you? that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, online dating, I'm sure I'll have lots of updates on things that are happening there. But so far, my observations are there's some pros and cons to dating on the computer, but I'm going to try and make it the most fun as possible. And there will be pajamas involved. I love it. Yeah. So I, I sent you a graphic on Instagram yesterday and we shared it on the Speaker Sisterhood stories yesterday too. And I loved it because I thought it was a really good, uh, just kind of visual example of a lot of the things that you have said over time and that I appreciate about how there's really no right way to live your life. Yeah. And uh, one of the ones was like, this is exhausting. And it's a picture of a woman holding a baby. And then right next to it is this is exhausting. And it's a woman like wearing a business suit, working on the laptop. And then like a woman wearing a, a sash that says bride to be. And then another woman wearing a sash that says got out of a toxic relationship. And like both are fine. And I just, I loved, there's a whole bunch more, but I loved these graphics because it's like such a good reminder that like whatever we're doing with our life is, is okay. And we don't have to live it a certain way. Yeah. The but individuality. Yeah, yeah. It's it, let's treasure it and let's not imagine that just because we're seeing something um, that the person is experiencing it the same way we would experience it. It's yeah. pretty simple. Yeah. It's basic empathy. 
Yeah, the original post was on Pico Wellness, P-E-K-O-E Wellness. So if anyone wants to go view it, I'm going to see if we can share it on the Speaker Sisterhood um, page too. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one. To. Yeah, it's it was great. a really good one. So I wanted to mention it because I think it aligns with our, our mission here. So would you like to share something from your fuck it bucket? We took a I, week off. Yeah, I so I will. I, and it's different. It's something I knew I threw in the fuck it bucket because, ouch, so I am tossing the idea that I have to f- get exercise right, like that I have to like do it right. And it's a huge thing for me because I was a fitness trainer and I know all the things I'm supposed to do this right. And but I got this huge injury and now I have to like piece it together and see what works for my body. And it's it's complicated. And it messes with my head and fuck it because it only matters that I'm doing something so yeah. So I, I threw that in the fuck it bucket and then I started weightlifting again really carefully and like had to go back to like 20% of my former weights and yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. What did you say? You had baby giraffe legs. Baby <laughs> giraffe legs. I really do. Like my butt is like a completely new texture and it, I'm <laughs> about it, but it's, How would you describe it? <laughs> it's yeah, it has taken on a marshmallow quality that it has never had before because I had to, I really took like six whole months off from lifting, and that's after ten years of lifting, you know, five to six times a week. Yeah, this is a brave new body I have. Yeah. So and and I started again, and I feel super excited. But I have to keep reminding myself to say fuck it to the idea that it has to be what it was before or that I'm not achieving because I'm doing it differently this time. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And for anyone listening, in case you didn't hear the first time we introduced the fuck it bucket, it's basically a place to put things that you no longer need. And so you write down something that you're letting go of and you throw it in your fuck it bucket. And I think it's funny because the first time we talked about this, our the things we pulled out were pretty much the same. It was about not caring more about other people's stuff than our own. And I would say that applies this time too, because I pulled out feeling bad about not being stronger. (laughs) And and I meant like physically stronger, because as I said last week, I'm doing my workouts every day and I'm not paying as much attention to trying to increase weight or increase anything. I'm just trying to move my body every day with the goal of like increasing my heart rate and yeah, building strength, but I don't need to be ripped. I'm not like trying to be an Olympic weightlifter. Is that even an Olympic thing? I don't know. That is, that is is a thing. They do the snatch baby. Oh, Olympic weightlifting. You've got the clean, the jerk and the snatch. Come on. Oh, well, I don't need any of that. I just, I like it because I like to say snatch, but other than that, I mean, do I need it? Like it. I mean, that's, (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I signed up for the Sweat app. It's run by Kayla Itzins, who's a an Australian personal trainer. And there's tons of different workouts on there. So I was doing the post-pregnancy workout, which I'm actually redoing right now because I still feel like I have the um, diastasis yeah. recti and I'm trying to like bridge that gap. My my son loves to stick his finger in my belly button because it basically goes all the way to my spine and he just, his hand like totally disappears. I'm like, you really need to stop doing that. So I, <laughs> I totally feel that. I feel that all of my 10, like my 10 pound baby that was in there, like that would just ruined that. Like it just, yeah. Popped. Yeah. Out. 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on those things and it just feels good to move my body and let go of that need to like be stronger now. It's like, I'm just, I'm just where I'm at and that feels good. So I'm yeah. glad we're on the same page with accepting our body and accepting what we're working on. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. So speaking of what we're working on, I wanted to incorporate that into every show because I think it's helpful to just share what's happening from the world of two entrepreneurs who are at different phases of running a business and what it's like and what we're doing. So I'll just share that. Last week, I sent out an email to everyone on the, the mailing list asking if they wanted to be an affiliate for my courses that I'll be sending out this this year. And I got such a really warm response. It was so beautiful. I expected people to just respond and say, I'd like more information or count me in or something. But instead, I got long emails from past members and people who've been following my work for years saying, like, I'd love to be part of this. I'd love to support you. Speaker Sisterhood has changed my life. This has been such an amazing journey for me. And I love being part of this organization. And I was like, oh, this is so heartwarming. I didn't expect this. <laughs> and it was it's like email after email after email. Aww. Yeah, it was really nice. So I sent it out on Saturday and then on Monday I went through all the emails and it was like a, a just a love fest. And I thought I should ask for feedback more often because it just feels so good. Right. And so now there's a whole bunch of affiliates who will be helping me promote online presenting made easy, which is coming out in March and the courses later in the year. So for anyone listening, if you love playing the stage, if you you know, want to support more women finding their voice, email me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com and we can talk more about becoming an affiliate and helping uh, share my work and help more women find their voice. So this has been a fun project and I'm excited to have a whole team of people who are part of promoting Speaker Sisterhood and our mission. Yeah, I think that's, it's so obvious. You said that it's so obvious because everybody I've ever met through Speaker Sisterhood is so impressed with the what it does to their life so of course they want to spread the love but yeah. you have to give them an opportunity right yeah. <laughs> I guess I never asked <laughs> which is funny yeah. so just yesterday I was in a networking call um I was in like a, a a networking call for six and seven figure business owners and and there was a young woman um representing another company um and and she mentioned that she her ask was I'm looking to get better at public speaking I'm like Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Like I, so I, I, you know, I'm throwing her all the links. She's like, Oh, thank God. There's something for women. Like that's awesome. So yeah. Cool, you an awesome baby. Thank you. Got to share it with the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I also sometimes hear from people who say, yeah, I listen to the podcast and I've heard of speaker sisterhood, but I still don't really understand what it is. And I'm like, oh, maybe I need to spend more time on the podcast really talking about what Speaker Sisterhood is because it's not a speakers bureau and it's not about helping women become paid speakers necessarily. It's really about a training ground for finding your voice and being with other women on that journey. So, and I know so you, yeah, you, you spent three years, maybe we spent three years actively in the process. And in the course of three years, I went from like in the corner like, well, I'm totally comfortable public speaking, but I don't know what I'm going to do with that to hitting the TEDx stage and publishing a book because I felt really confident about that and and bonding with a whole group of women after being really scared to bond with a group of women. Like, it changed everything. Yeah, that is really common feedback. I hear that I didn't want to join a women's group. I, I didn't, haven't had luck in the past. I don't feel like that's the right thing for me. And then they get there and they're like, oh, this is different. Okay. Yeah. The container of 
public speaking really does help it. And it's so much about development. Yeah. Because we all have a voice. We just have to find it. Yes. That, and then use it. And then use it for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, if anyone's interested in becoming an affiliate, just email me, Angela at speakersisterhood.com. Jolie, what are you working on? I'm working on a lot of stuff, but, you know, I had the opportunity this past week to um, to start really focusing on um, some of my one-to-one work again. And so I opened up just a, a few spots in my one-to-one coaching practice, and um, two of them already filled. I only have two left, but what I'm working on is figuring out where that fits in my life because I had I had sessions last week that left me with full body shivers. Like, you know when you find your thing, like I... I love lots of pieces of my business, but there's something about the one-to-one work when people are like trying to move past something huge like jealousy in their life or um, trying to do the deeper work. Like they've gotten control over their basic life. It works pretty okay, but then they're ready for the next thing. Like that's my jam. That's my sweet spot. So I've been working on figuring out where to fit that. And I finally found a place. Like I figured out how to fit in a little bit of one-on-one time. So I've got a couple of spots open and it feels really good. And I'm like excited about my work balance right now. Cause we talk about work-life balance all the time, but we don't necessarily talk about balancing the kind of work. Like there's lots of types of work in any job and when I shift over to all like stuff that speaks to a big group, like writing books and speaking big and being on podcasts, I love that work. But then I also want that, that getting a chance to be with someone while they have breakthroughs and being allowed because I coach rather than do traditional therapy, I can hold their feet to the fire and keep them accountable to themselves and the promise they made to themselves. And yeah, it's a little, it's the, it's like really witchy. Like, I feel like it's really witchy work and I, and I love it. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm super excited about it. I think that's a really important lesson and thing to remember when you're starting out in your business is that you get to divide up your services and your time however you want. And it's yeah. there's no right way to do it. It's how you want to do it. And I think there's so many expectations and models and um, preferred methods for scaling and, you know, building a consulting business, but you're realizing it's like, well, this is how I want to spend my time. And I also want to do this, but I have to break it up in a way that works for me. So, so if it means I grow a little slower, but I was alive the whole time, I'll take it. (laughs) Being alive is the best. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that when I was younger. I'm really glad I do now. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. A lot of us are just trying to get through it. Right. Yeah. So I know we talked about Cassandra Speaks, the book Elizabeth Lesser wrote. She was our guest two episodes ago. And Cassandra Speaks, the uh, subtitle is When Women Are the Storytellers, the Human Story Changes. If that's intriguing to you, you're going to want to pick this book up. So after the interview, Jolie and I both got the book and we're both reading it. And I've been meaning to read this excerpt for the last two episodes. So I finally have the book here with me today. I felt really proud of myself. I should also add that getting ready for the podcast now is more of an event in itself than it was when I was doing it by myself because we have so many things that we're talking about. So I have a prop here that I'm going to use later in the episode and I had to run around and grab the book. And so it's, it's kind of, it's a thing. It's, it's a, a thing. It's a whole I new to, thing. I had to make an index card. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I made the ebook or I'd feel really bad right now. <laughs> things are getting crazy over here. So on page 11 of Cassandra Speaks, I have, there's this paragraph that I want to read, which I've read to myself now, five or six times. And 
I'll tell you a little bit about the feeling that comes up after I read it. And maybe, you know, if you're doing something right now, pause for a second so you can listen to this. And if you're driving, just keep driving, but, you know, see if you can listen. (laughs) For all the many strides women have made, the old stories haunt us still. Religious tales where the women are fickle or weak or cursed. Fairy tales where the men are white knights and swashbuckling saviors, bad boys and lone wolves, warriors and kings. And where the women are ugly hags and scullery maids or sleeping beauties and girls locked in towers. Then there are the famous novels where the women get to be one of two archetypes, the Madonna or the whore, the helpless damsel or the too strong, too tough, too much woman perfection or damnation. When you make a study of a wide range of the old stories, it's stunning to see how many of them serve as warning against women doing quote-unquote unfeminine things, like speaking or claiming autonomy over our bodies and sexuality or being gallant. The stories steer men toward what is coded masculine, stoicism, warriorship, and violence. They forewarn men against anything coded feminine, the home, the hearth, the heart, the womanly arts of empathy and care. So much of the sorry state of our world hangs on the excess of the so-called masculine virtues in our guided storylines. So much was lost with the disparaging of anything coded feminine and the erasure of women as protagonists and heroes. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to go slide into a sewer really quick. That's a lot. It is a lot. It's amazing how much she packed into one paragraph that really explains an entire lifetime of feelings Mm -hmm. that were placed upon us as women. And now we have to sort through them. And I've been thinking a lot about internalized shame lately, especially after the inauguration last week and watching Kamala get sworn in and just bursting into tears out of nowhere. I knew that I was excited to see that. I didn't expect to feel this guttural reaction that came out of my soul. And (laughs) every woman I've talked to about this has said the same thing, the same reaction, because I think it has to do with what I just read. It's like just generations of feeling like we have to be a certain way. And now we're watching a woman who's not being that certain way. And it's such a release. That's what it felt like a huge release happened. It was beautiful. It was scary. And it was so needed. It was like waiting. It was just waiting right there on the edge. And then it just all came out. I cried all day. The next day I was watching the news and I actually went to the podiatrist that afternoon. That was awkward um, to be in there (laughs) like in tears. But the next day I was watching the news and they were showing clips of the inauguration and I kept crying every time I saw it. It just Mm. kept on taking me back. So yeah, this is this is big. We're going through a humongous shift watching a woman be in this position of power after so many years, generations, centuries of women just having to be in the home, quiet, waiting for the men. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah, and even, even when in power, um, having to enter into that power through masculine guise, or through um, adaptation, making sure that they please. It's it's an enormous. Um, it feels like a step into something, 
but it's bigger than I could really imagine because it's all in, in the body, like just like you. I like just lost it and, and in, a, in a sharp way, like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it was like a cannonball came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so much. Yeah. Thank goodness. But now there's work to do too. Oh, yeah. So, so much. much. Yeah. So much. <laughs> Is there anything you want to share from the book? You know what? So I I was going to, but then there was this other quote that I had written down and stuck over my desk from a different book that I'm reading. That um that I it's really short, but I want to read it. Yeah. Um, What's the book? I'm reading this book called The Art of Holding Space: A Practice of Love, Liberation, and Leadership uh, and Leadership by Ooh. Heather Plett. And I read the first chapter, and my whole body just like melted into. Oh, I've been needing this because I hold, I do a lot of holding space, but then trying to figure out what the heck that actually means is, you know, and, and not just the practice of it, but what it means. Yeah. Um, but right in the beginning, she writes um, a really, really tight description of holding space. And I, I realized that it's kind of, it's everywhere in my life. It's during recording podcasts. It's during um, times with my kids trying to figure out what to do next. It's t- all the grief I've been um, midwifing for people over the past year or years. Um, so she's talking about what exactly holding space is. And she says, the act of holding space is not just about backing away while a person stays stuck in one place. It's about creating a healthy environment where growth and development can naturally occur. I mean, there's a whole long book about what it is, but I felt like right there, I thought, oh, there's the work that I've been doing as a woman my whole life. I've been asked to hold space, required to hold space in my family of origin, in workplaces, in all, all the time. And I, I didn't know how to name it, what I was doing, that, I, that my job wasn't to solve a problem, but it was to stay with someone while while they grew and developed. And I maybe because I became a mom pretty young, and now I've been a mom for 21 years, it's sort of second nature, but to bring attention to it right now is feeling really important. It feels like it's also permission to set part of it down. Yes. And, and not have to hold so much of the responsibility for the space. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, it's, um, this, there's the setting down and trying to problem solve. And then there's also the, the, um, I get I I am struggling sometimes when I when I try to allow someone to stay stuck. I feel like like cuz that's a lesson we get. Like we'll just let someone be where they are and there's there's something important there. But if I if I get that in my head and I'm too much in my head about just just allowing um just allowing it to happen and they may be stuck for a long time, I forget that in fact that's not stuckness. That's very very slow growth. It's moving it's moving at a pace that it can't be witnessed in the moment, but it I'm making the space for it to naturally occur and to come from within. And as a mom of teenagers right now, a whole bunch of them, super important, um, but also just in every part of my life. Is that an intuitive hit you get to determine when to push and when to step back? It is for me. I mean, I'm an ENTJ, so it's definitely coming from my intuition, but I rely on my extroverted thinking. So it's also about allowing myself to set down my my 
my tricks of analyzing the situation and and just stay in my intuition and feeling when when it's time to drop in a question that will will help that that person move at, when they're ready um yeah definitely intuitive yeah it's i think a lot of it is being present with them and just yeah. starting sort of sensing yeah that and you're really good at that so i love that you shared that i think i struggle with that too and wanting to be so much of a caretaker and can sometimes become too much too involved just like yeah. what we had in our fuck it buckets a couple months ago a couple weeks ago yeah. yeah so thank you that's really great what's the name of the book again it's called the art of holding space by heather plett p-l-e-t-t that's great there's a whole book on the subject exactly exactly it's i'm i'm super excited i'm only a couple of chapters in and i'm like everything in here is food for me is it written with a particular audience in mind, like coaches and therapists, or is it's it just actually it's it you know it it's bigger than that. It's really it's about anyone who's holding leadership space, anyone who is hosting anything, anyone who is sitting with people, anyone who is caretaking in any way. So it's actually a huge audience um because she's taking on the idea of being a facilitator or a speaker or a leader in any context. So like when you're momming, you're being a leader, right? And so you're holding space in those ways. But when you're sitting in front of, you know, a a Zoom room full of people and you can barely make out their faces, but you still need to create that space and allow growth to happen, that's part of it too. And then, you know, and then there are like super tender times and, and times when we feel lost to it. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I know. I love it. It's, I think everyone should read that book because we're always faced with having to hold space for people. Right. Yeah. I want to add, yes, yes. Any dudes listening, just, you know, just take our our reading list suggestions, take them seriously because, yeah. Yeah. I want to add one thing that's bringing joy this week. Uh, I'm still watching Schitt's Creek. I'm now in mid season four. And last night, I don't know if this is going to ruin it for people who haven't seen it, but I just have to talk about it. Patrick sang a song to David at the open mic night and my heart exploded. That scene was so tender and special and the look on David's face, how it changes over the course over of the, the song. Yep. Oh my God. It's so good. I was, I'm going to just give some love chimes. To yes, 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 yes. Oh, I rewatched it three times and <laughs> I, I wrote down the the episode so I could go back and watch it again later. Cause it was so good. It's just yeah. like, I woke up this morning feeling so much joy about that like five not even five minutes three minutes of the show it's so 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 good so uh, my moment of joy then it'll play right off of that because i just finished the series <gasps> um Is it two nights ago. it's so good i i'm not gonna spoil it for you okay i just um it only gets better from where you're at and i so it fills me with such joy to watch people be people like they're flawed and they're loving and that's that's what's bringing me joy right now so everything i'm trying to choose to watch i'm trying to i'm focusing on things that have that sort of combination yeah humanness and love oh okay well keep me posted on what you find i like that combo yeah all right now we're going to get into the pleasure experiment part two 
Yes. And this is where we talk about some of the things that we've been doing from the experiment. And I'm very excited to share what I've, we haven't talked about this yet. So it'll all be a surprise once again, brand new. new. And I thought I, I, I have the experiment packet. What do you call it? Is it a workbook packet ebook? I was just calling it um, an ebook because it's like just long enough to be. Yeah. So I have the ebook up on my computer and I wanted to read the ones that I did. And do you want to start with yours or do you want me to start? Uh, Either. Either's fine with me. Okay. Well, I'll start with the, uh, I, I started with day one sound. Okay. And do you want to give a quick overview of how this works before we jump into it? Yeah, so I will. Um, so the idea behind the pleasure experiment is to play. It's an invitation to play with pleasure the way that a child does. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a time to set aside what you believe your pleasures are and to, to try out, to try on a different word each day and to try on new ways to experience pleasure um, or ways that you've that you've done but you don't necessarily categorize as pleasure like you're not taking them in they may be things and this certainly played out in my own experience of of doing the pleasure experiment stuff after I wrote it even things that are already part of your life you can put some intention into oh this is pleasure this is my joy and the whole notion is like that's how we liberate ourselves from from the idea that we're always working and the idea that we have to be always productive right like I'm done with that. The idea that pleasure is a treat is trash. I'm throwing it away. It is officially in the trash can. Um, so yeah, and then so then there's 14 days. Each one has a, a little two-paragraph description of a word that you can try on for the day and and just some ideas for how to play with it. It's not prescriptive. You don't have to do like, here, go try this. I've done those kinds of pleasure experiment and challenge things, but this is a little different. This is really about you discovering the whatever it is for you using this word as a jumping off point. Yeah. And one thing you said last week that I really liked is that you don't have to track it in a specific way. Like if you don't like journaling, don't force yourself to write stuff in a journal. Like this is about pleasure. (laughs) It's about enjoying it and not forcing yourself to follow some sort of plan that you think you're supposed to be doing. Right. So I thought I I did not journal. I did not journal for myself. I I didn't either. I'm talking about it with my partner when we're out for our morning walks instead. That's Smart. what I've been doing to just like, oh, this is what I did. And he's going to do it starting today. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think it's also a great yeah, conversation starter. Like if you were to say to your partner, let's talk about it at dinner. Like that's a great conversation to have over dinner. Yeah, yeah. Brings you back to fun. It does. So I started with day one sound. And in this experiment, you say to you know, just try to find pleasure in listening to things. And you don't have to do a certain thing. It's just about like trying different things. So I'll just read a little bit of what you wrote. You could, you said you could play a Spotify playlist, play your favorite instrument, listen carefully to the sounds outside your door, sing in the shower, grab your kid's toy drum and stage an impromptu jam session. (laughs) Or if you're sound averse or hearing impaired, experiment with vibration. No matter how you're playing with sound, the through your ears is only one way to receive it. Feel the sound with your whole body. Let it build. Allow it to ebb and flow. Relax into your sound. If the sound you choose isn't bringing pleasure, shift to a new sound. Experiment with a variety and attend to your whole body's response. Breathe in the sound. Allow it to give you pleasure. Allow yourself to resonate with the sound. 
That is such a nice gift to just like try something. And if it doesn't feel good, try another thing. You don't have to stick with it because that's what you picked. So I chose my Yay! ukulele. The ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> the ukulele you gave me a couple of months ago. I have been loving this. And at first I was taking classes on YouTube and I signed up for another site where you can learn the chords and you can play songs. But now I, I know four or five chords and I just like walking around the house with it. That's that like that's where I've left off is just walking around the house playing it. And I sit down on the floor and I let Max play with it and he likes to strum along and yeah. it's just, it's just a nice sound. So I thought I would play a couple chords, not with any song in mind, but just to hear some, some sound. I think I need to tune that. Um, Sounds like just a tiny bit. Yeah. They always need a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, need, I think I think Max played with the keys a little bit, but I like the the back and forth strumming. Yes. I think that's really nice. And I love the C major. I like I like walk around the house just playing C major for half an hour. It's really enjoyable. <laughs> I love that. I, I use my ukulele to play like the same song over and over and over and over and over again. So because yeah, I only know like six chords. So yeah. <laughs> So one day we will play a song together. Yes. We'll make it up on the spot, maybe. We'll make up yeah, the lyrics. Knows? So many options. But <laughs> I think playing with instruments is really fun. My son also has a uh, like a little plastic container that has like a quarter full of popcorn, unpopped popcorn. We like to shake that around and he has a little drum and a xylophone. And it's just nice, you know, just to like hear simple little sounds that they're no, they don't have a purpose except to just sound sound nice. Yeah. So that's what I did for my sound experiment. What was your first experiment? So, um, <laughs> um, so I did, I did three of them, but I'll, I'll talk about two, but, um, I did three of them like after I wrote it, as opposed to when I was making it up and trying some stuff out. And one of them was sound. And, um, so I decided to play, um, so I, I shower with my partner pretty much every day. So I, I turned our wedding playlist on while we were in the shadow shower. And we just listened to it. And I, we had the best morning yesterday. Like we had a, an insane day. We had the best day. We were both super, super busy. We couldn't really be together. We were like a, across the house from each other. And, uh, you know, all the kids started college classes and it, it's just wild. But, but we started the morning listening to this. And so the songs were playing over in my head like all day. And I could hear him singing because he sang at our wedding. And um, like, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I forget to put sound, even just music. Like, I forget to play music during the day. So it was the best start to the day I could possibly imagine. And I have i don't think I've ever thought to do that before. Just like, duh. It's, yeah. My phone's right there. It was I so know. easy. <laughs> I forgot about playlists. I don't know why. I think it's because I started listening to, like, internet radio or Amazon music or whatever. And I forgot that you can make playlists. Yeah. Um, that's really nice. I used to do that in college and it was a great way to get ready. It's to the modern mixtape. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. That sounds really, really nice. Yeah, it was awesome. So um, what else did you do? The next one I did was day three. I did touch. And I did that because over the weekend I did a workshop. It was a Feldenkrais method mm. workshop that was mixed with EFT. And it was my first time doing Feldenkrais. And I don't even really know what it is still. I'm, I, 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 
<laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, but if you don't know what it is, feel free to Google it. If you do know what it is, great. Um, but what we were doing was we were doing these little movements and it was about paying attention to your body and how it felt in these different movements. And I kept falling asleep. It just, I just kept falling asleep throughout the workshop. And they said, it's okay to fall asleep. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, see you later. And then they, we'd come back and it was online and they would say, so how did it go? I'm like, it's just good. It's really good. It's like it's good. sleeping for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> the pleasure of rest. <laughs> yeah. But what I took from that workshop was the, the value of tiny movements and how mm. much information can come from little, just tiny adjustments. And so I, I did a yoga um, session yesterday and it was just about, uh, relaxation and like flexibility and three quarters of it was just sort of lying in the mat on the mat in different positions. And while I was in those different positions, I was doing self-massage to my feet, to my thighs, to my forearms, to my shoulders with a varying degrees of pressure and just noticing what felt good, what felt too intense, which stretches felt nice versus which stretches felt like too intense which felt restful. And it was a nice 20 minutes of just kind of like being on the mat with myself and not trying to just get it done and not trying to get a workout, but just lying there and feeling my body. And I love that that's the, the exercise or the experiment because it's, it's a nice way to give yourself permission to not have to have a real outcome other than just feeling good. Yeah. We and have these bodies. <laughs> You have these, I, I mean, I've suffered from a lot of body dys dysmorphia in my life. So coming home to my body is a big deal for me and it's a practice for sure. So the touch day is, it's very close to my heart and I feel very tender just listening to somebody describe their experience of it even. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which one did you do? What, which experiment? So I actually did quirky because, because I like the word quirky. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I think... I don't remember. Is it like day 11 or something? It's, it's, it's kind of further on. Um, and day seven, day seven. Awesome. So it's the idea is that you're, you're, you're odd, you're unique. You are you. And there are things that we do that are pleasurable to us. And they're what they're weird. They're, they are our, our oddness, our weirdness. Right. And, um, a long time ago, a teacher told me, um, Jennifer Selig, Dr. Selig, told me that um, the Greeks and the Germanic traditions, um, they use the word weird, um, W-Y-R-R-D. It's, it's related to genius. Your genius, your, your genius is your innate um, divine destiny, like what you showed up with and what you're show you showed up for. And so all the quirkiness is like... It's you. So enjoy it. So like take pleasure in it. Instead of I have tended to think of my quirkiness and my my oddness, my weird as things that people don't like. And I refer to myself as like the kind of person who's an acquired taste. And um, that's just me trying to get ahead of the fact that I feel different and I feel like that's not a good thing. So um, so I practice noticing what I think is weird about me. And um, so some of the things are the way I eat popcorn is super pleasurable to me and very weird. Um, How does that go? I okay, don't think so I've ever seen you eat popcorn. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I have a bowl of popcorn and I have a little bowl and you eat each piece individually. You munch off the little crunchy bit. So you're left with just the ball of popcorn. You put that, that's a nubby. 
It's very, very important. The nubbies are the best part. You put that into a little bowl and you eat your whole bowl of, of popcorn, the crunchy bits, and then you have the nubby cup to eat and you just have all the nubbies and it's the best. My, I'm, I can't I believe I didn't know this, this way. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, this sounds like something you developed when you were five or six years old and you've been doing it ever since. It's a little <laughs> bit weirder than that even. So this was my Aunt Debbie, my beloved aunt, my mother's um, sister, the only member really of, of my mother's whole family, you know, that's that's around still. Um, she taught me this. Like, we were on vacation one time, and she's like, this is how you eat popcorn. And, and she was eating her popcorn this way, and I never stopped. I, I probably was somewhere between 7 and 11, because um, I remember we were on vacation. We were camping, and I never don't eat popcorn that way. Like if I have to like put my nubbies in a little tissue, like so that I can still have nubbies at the, at the movie theater, I still do that. I have to eat my popcorn that way. I have a logistical question. When you get to the nubby bowl at the end, are the nubbies soggy? No. So first off, don't be gross and like, like lick your nubbies. That's, that would be weird (laughs) and not in the good way. Right. So don't lick your nubbies. Like it's a very, like, it's a very durable move, right? Like you're like, you like yeah. munch it off. And then so they're not soggy. They're just these perfect little round, like non-crunchy popcorn. It's like popcorn cotton candy. Yeah. Right. Okay. I can see that. And it's just this exquisite pleasure that comes at the end of the pleasure of eating your popcorn. Do your kids do this too? Um, Reese and Sage do, I believe. Um, I don't Mo- Mo- Moya might too now. Like the girls have all picked it up, apparently. Oh, interesting. Oh, Mac. Mac does. Oh, my gosh. When Mac was little, he noticed that I was doing it. And before he could even talk, he started, he would make nubbies for me. Aww. So when we'd be watching a movie, he would eat his popcorn this way and then bring me the nubby cup and give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really yeah. cute. Yeah. And it's weird. And, like, I feel weird when I'm doing it sometimes. And... I don't know whether it's related to um, my genius in the sense that, you know, we talk about being in our zone of genius, but it's definitely related to the specificity of me Mm -hmm. and my connection to my family, someone very precious to me. Yeah. And it's so pleasurable when I think about it that way. Like, oh my gosh, this is different and I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I learned something new about you today. Are there any other quirks you want to share? Well, I also, um, any creamy food that I eat, I always use a baby spoon and it has to be a silver baby spoon, like a beautiful silver baby spoon, like an infant feeding spoon. Okay. So like a yogurt? Yogurt, ice cream. Yeah. Anything along those lines, anything that's got, yeah, baby spoon, absolute must. Like I carry one in my purse. Oh, I think I've seen this actually. Is is that because you want to be able to enjoy tiny bites of it? Yeah, I love the tiny bites. I love the way the tiny spoon feels in my hand. Ken actually bought me like a set of them because I had like two and the kids started using them. So he bought me a whole set of them for Christmas a couple years ago. So I have my whole set of tiny baby spoons. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So apparently they're all food related this time, but I mean, I'm pretty weird. I'm also, you know, I'm wearing overalls and pigtails. So my quirk does not end. But, right. But we've determined that those are sophisticated pigtails because they're lower. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're farm girl chic. But here's the thing. When I see you with overalls and pigtails, I don't think like, was she is she trying to pull off a look over there? Because it just looks like you. There's nothing about it that is looks like you're trying to be somebody. You're just, you look like this is your look. And I like it. I 
I think that's it. So I think I finally sunk into the pleasure of being me because it used to feel like people would look at me that way. I'm a 44-year-old woman wearing overalls and pigtails, but it is. It, I actually feel more myself than I do wearing anything else. So yeah. I love it. Well, I only got a chance to do two experiments between last episode and this one, but you did three. Do you want to share the third one? The last one's simple. I did the outdoors. Okay. And something that I had done a long time ago was I, I kept a moon journal with um, my oldest daughter for a whole month. We drew the moon. We went outside. We looked at the moon. Okay. We drew what we saw or made pictures, we, whatever. And what I remembered about that, I like I thought about the outdoors and I thought about how I could incorporate the outdoors in a new way because I already have outdoor things. And I said, I suggest even if you can't go outdoors because of COVID, there are ways to incorporate the outdoors, like bird watching, looking out your window, watching a David Attenborough movie. Like there's so much to do. But I remembered this moon journal and the thing that I loved so much about it was going outside. We did it in the winter and it's winter right now. So I started going outside again at night, like as late at night as I could. So I've gone outside now at like 11, 12. I got up one night at three and took the dog out for a walk and just stood and looked at the moon when everything's actually all the way quiet. And it's, it, that's a moon bath. Like I highly recommend. It was so good. Like I came back in, I didn't even, it was like I was sleeping and not sleeping at the same time afterwards. Yeah. So. Wow. That's. Highly recommend. Yeah. That's a high endorsement. (laughs) It was so good. Yeah. I've never heard of moon journaling. I like that. Yeah. It was really, really fun. We did that. I think she was like 11 when we did it. It's really cool. That's great. So outdoors, that's day 13. Some other topics. Day 14 is flexible. Day thir- day 12 is maker. Day 11 is sexy and erotic. Yes. Day can't 10 is gentle. No, I can't skip that. Day 9, childlike. So there's a lot of topics here. And you can do it at your own pace. You can go out of order. You can just pick the ones you like. Do whatever you want to do. You could you- focus on just one and do that like as a practice for two weeks that like you could just incorporate. Because the point is to bring pleasure out of the realm of treat or reward pleasure doesn't it you can use pleasure as a reward fine but it can also just be your life like your life could be could have pleasure in it so whatever's going to bring it into your life Mm -hmm. do it (laughs) yes um thanks so much for putting this together it's really huge i think if people do it they'll get a lot out of it and it's so nice to look at too it's just really nicely designed and it's so simple But profound, like we always say, simple yet profound. That's it. That's (laughs) what I'm going for. That's what I'm shooting for. Always the goal. All right. Is there anything else you want to add about this? Well, I do because I decided to set aside a little bit of time in in a wildly busy schedule. I love talking to people about this. So I'm going to host a Zoom, uh, like a drop-in, like, you know, drop-in and share what your pleasure was um, on Monday the 8th of February. I'm going to host a Zoom. Um, We can put the link up on the website and anybody could just drop in 75 minutes. We're going to talk about like, what'd you do? Like, you know, and probably if a whole bunch of us show up, everybody won't get to share. It'll be like a little, a little sharing circle um, of what, what did you do? What was awesome and juicy and what was scary about it? And we'll just, yeah, we'll just share some of our experiences. 
That sounds great. I can't wait for that. And if it, if there's anyone who wants to share and you can't make the sharing circle, email me your reflections or observations and we can share them on, on the next episode. You can email me at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. We'd love to hear how your experiments are going. Yeah. And we're also going to have a pleasure expert on the show coming up in the next couple of weeks to talk more about this because it's a big subject and it's one, like you said at the beginning, it's not just a treat, it's a lifestyle. So we want to make sure that people are really getting it and I'm I'm trying harder to do it and why not have more fun and more pleasure and there's so many ways to approach it so I think having another voice come on um Cindy Lee Alves is just fantastic talks about pleasure in different ways than I do um and yeah so we're gonna listen to them talk about how they approach pleasure and I'm super excited I've I've co-taught with them a little bit here and there and um I'm I always learn something every time I'm in in company so Awesome. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for putting this together. And if anyone wants to get access to their own copy of the Pleasure Experiment ebook, you can go to speakersisterhood.com, click on resources, claim the stage podcast, and the most recent two episodes will have the download link in there. I'll also put the direct download link in the show notes on uh, the episodes on the different outlets where you're listening. So this was fun. Thanks, yeah, Shelly. This is awesome. Thank you so much. We'll see More you pleasure. next time. Yeah. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Okay. <laughs> Bye for now. Jolie and I hope you have loved listening as much as we love making this show. If so, tell us by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Clay in the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and is produced in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Kelly Vogel of Sound Passage. All right, that does it for us this week. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now. Bye.